Shout out to our sponsors, Kings Peak Coffee Roasters. At Kings Peak, they take coffee seriously. Their beans are sourced with utmost care from sustainable farms worldwide, ensuring that each sip is a celebration of exquisite flavors. From captivating blends to captivating single origin roasts, their coffee selection promises to tantalize your taste buds and elevate your coffee game to new heights. Kings Peak staff embodies the spirit of hospitality and passion for coffee. With smiles that brighten your day, they're always ready to guide you on an unforgettable coffee journey. From bean selection to brewing techniques, their knowledgeable baristas will happily share their expertise to help you find your perfect cup. Kings Peak is committed to making a positive impact on the entire coffee supply chain. With every purchase, you're supporting farmers and artisans, enabling sustainable practices and empowering communities around the globe. Together, we're nurturing a brighter, more inclusive future for everyone involved. Whether you're a coffee aficionado or a curious newcomer, Kings Peak is your welcoming sanctuary. Explore their wide array of coffees, accessories, and gifts, and let Kings Peak help you find the perfect fit for your unique taste. They're not just a coffee shop, but a community that embraces the joy of coffee and human connection. Join us at Kings Peak Coffee Roasters, where coffee dreams come true. Listening to the Tastemasters, where we sit down and learn from artists within the world of craft beer, liquor, and various fermentation techniques. All right, family, we are here at in the heart of Kitos, and I'm here with two of my good friends uh, and brewers. I have Dwight here and Justin. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, is this your first podcast, boys? It is. Yeah. Oh shit. Oh shit. Yeah, it's it's easy. All we do is talking to a mic. Drink some beers. Sounds like a great Hello, time, right? To me. So, boys, you both are brewers, and you guys have been homebrewing for quite some time, right? Um, and you guys brought some homebrews. I have homebrews sitting in front of me. I'm excited to break them down. Uh, I just want to break one down right now. What's the lightest beer you guys brought that we're going to break down? Dwight, is it going to be from you? Justin, going to be from you? We both have lagers, so they're pretty light. But these three right here that we're going to do first, not very light. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, you lead the way. This one's going to be a pallet wrecker. You might want to do that one last. Okay. Let's get our lightest beer, I guess. So it'll be one of those two, either a lager or an imperial goza. So it's an imperial pilsner and an imperial goza. Let's do the pilsner first. Let's do it. And so this is Dwight's, right? They're both of ours. We collaborate. Oh, it's the collab. Oh, so okay. all three of these are collaborations okay. with us. Tell me the story. I need to know. On well, the collab. A couple years ago, I went up to New World Distillery. Oh, beautiful place, right? And bought a... Uh, bourbon barrel and at that time I didn't know any other home brewers so I went to the Ogden homebrew store I was like hey I got this barrel and I don't want to do 15 gallons and then the homebrew store owner he also collaborated he's like I'm down I'll do it and then eventually I met Justin and I was like hey you want to do this with us and he's like yeah so we did started with the bourbon barrel stout imperial stout then after that we did a barley wine which we don't have after that we did the goza then after that, we did the Imperial Thank you. Pilsner. So, in the same barrel? Same barrel. So, you kept using that barrel. So, we had four turns out of that barrel? Right now, we have a Flanders Red in it. Oh, so it's game over after that. Yeah. Game over. So, five turns in yeah. this barrel so yeah. far. Well, soon to be five turns. Yeah. Holy shit. In this five-gallon barrel. Fifteen-gallon. Fifteen, Fifteen gallon. excuse yep. me. Wow. Well done using, utilizing a barrel. Usually I hear brewers do like, uh, one, two, maybe, but five turns? Well, before we well put the Yoza uh, in there, I bought a bottle of Reposado from New World and put that in the barrel and just kind of turned it, kept turning it, and let the wood absorb the liquor. Uh, how do you condition that wood? I'm curious, like, where, where are you putting the barrel? Is it in the house? Is it's it outside? In the basement. Is it in the, okay. Is it kind of cooler temperatures, warmer oh, temperatures? Yeah, it stays cool. Damn. And you're still getting that movement in the barrel? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. And Big J, do you have uh, barrels at your house? No, no barrels. We're uh, just using that 15-gallon one. We currently got a 30-gallon barrel that uh, we brewed into this month, next uh, next month, next month. So it's starting out with that, the stout for the second run of it. Can't mm -hmm. wait. Damn, I'm getting kind of anyway. I'm itching. Okay, I gotta try this now. All right, salud, huh? Slancha.
That's a morning right there. Mm, wake me up. Mm. <laughs> Hair on the dog right there. So it's 7.8%, and it went into the barrel after the goza, and we really just wanted to use it to pull out those residual flavors from the goza. It's got some funk to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it like definitely it. pulled out some interesting flavors. Mm. But it's, I wouldn't call it, you said 7%? 7.8. Yeah, that's not. I don't. I don't taste. It doesn't taste mm-hmm. hot to me. That's secret. That's a. That's a, a could knock you on your ass. And so you guys bottled this then. Kegged it. Kegged it. Damn. So I'm. It's right here. Fuck. Crash test dummy. Barrel age Imperial Pilsner. So do I. I want to start with you then. So talk to me about the home brewing. So where did you start brewing beer? When? Uh, and why? 2014 is when I started in California doing all extract and it wasn't until I moved to Utah that I started doing the uh, all grain. Okay. What made you make the change? Well, why, why did you start brewing beer in the first place? Why all uh, extract? Probably back in like 2005, my cousin had a beer that he made and it wasn't great. And I was like, Ooh, you can make beer. So I was like, and so I looked into it and then about that time is when I started getting into truck driving and I didn't want to leave something in a fermenter for a month or two. While you were driving on the road. While I was driving on the road. And then I got a local job and I wasn't like in the, in the, it wasn't a financially stable yeah. situation, good situation. Yeah. Then. That. So I didn't do it. And then my wife and I separated and I was like, screw it. I'm going to do it now. So then I bought a extract kit from Northern Brewer and just Hell started yeah. brewing extract ratchets. What was your first beer you ever made? Probably their brown ale that came as part of the kit. Yeah. How did it turn out? I, was, yeah, that, I feel like every person they've asked that question to, like, <laughs> dog shit. Fucking hated it. <laughs> I mean, I can't, yeah. Have you ever heard of a home brewers when their first beer is like, it was the best beer ever? It's rare, I feel like. Nope. But I feel like at that point, it's become, uh, I can keep trying or I'm done. I feel like it's, a, it, at, that's your first step, like, oh no, I can keep, and that's where the brewer comes in. If you go for the second time, I'm like, okay, hey, if you trust yourself to do it again, so you did. Yeah. So dog shit, but then yeah. you, did you try that same recipe before again? No, no. Will you ever go back to that recipe? Probably not because it's extract. <laughs> <laughs> have you done an all grain version of it or not, something close? Not the Northern Brewer recipe, but I have done other brown ale. Hell yeah. So you started, you said, so that was 2005, you fucked with the idea, and then 2015? 14. 14 is when you're like, I'm in. Yeah. And you've been brewing since. Yeah. And so have you been brewing like, how often do you brew since, I mean, that's what, almost a decade? Well, the past year, I've been really going big trying to get my name out there so i've done like 34 35 batches this year five gallon batches this year good god good for you man yeah. that's awesome hell yeah and so uh why ogden utah you, you boys are both live in ogden correct i live in syracuse so close yeah so we no no no, no one knows where syracuse, <laughs> syracuse? <where's> that? <laughs> so ogden area and yeah. uh you both are part of the what's the it's uh old Hotel town hops Hopheads. Hop yeah yeah so you guys are part of that group um, are you also part of other homebrewing groups? We have dabbled in the idea of going to another one. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, how is the Ogden homebrew scene? Not very active. Okay. So, Pretty quiet. Because you said you went to the homebrew shop in Ogden. What's it called? I don't know that one. Ogden City Brew Supply. Okay. Oh, duh. The, that's the same. Mm-hmm. I, I do know who owns that one. <laughs> well, Cody used to own it, but then they sold it to the mm-hmm. manager that was there. So it's Aaron now. Nice. And so you, I'm assuming you guys know them really well. Not so much, but, but I don't come down here very often. Gotcha. Uh, no, Aaron. You know Aaron really well, Yes, yeah? oh, Aaron, cool. sure. But not cool. Cody and Ross. I haven't met Aaron, so I want to no. meet Aaron. It'll be cool. But Cody and Ross, badasses. Um, anyway, so, sorry, homebrewing. Why Ogden? Why are you living in Ogden? So when I decided to leave California, I wanted somewhere, there was a city close enough to home where I can drive home for holidays. So my option is either Salt Lake or Denver. And my mom was like, you know, Salt Lake's a little bit closer. Should go Salt Lake. So looking at houses, Ogden is what I can afford. So I went to Ogden. Nice. Not too bad. It's like, what, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes from Salt Lake? About 40. Yeah, 40. 40? Okay, so it's about the same distance from where I live. So you guys are on the north end of Salt Lake. I'm on the south end. Like, okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. Cool. It makes me feel better when we meet in Salt Lake. Like, <laughs> I know your drive. I know how long it took you. Yeah. Um, so then how did you meet Justin? I want to know this, this marriage. <laughs> so it's actually almost exactly two years ago. At TF's Oktoberfest in 2021. Yeah. Sick. So when we met. Getting ready. Yeah. 
next week. Didn't really talk to him though because I don't talk to people I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But how did you guys know? Mutual friends. So we're on the same like beer group of friends. Okay, cool. Okay. So then Big J, how did you get into beer? So I got into beer when I was stationed in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So really close to Fort Collins. Fort Collins was like 45 minutes away. Okay. So beer industry there and all the brewing scene was just spectacular. So I'm like, oh man. And somebody's like, you know, you could brew beer at home. I was like, okay. So same situation, start out with extract brewing. How did the first one go? Uh, trash. <laughs> uh, never brew that again. But like, like Dwight said, moved up to all grain and, you know, can't turn back from there. All grain is just, it, it gives it more flavor, more body, everything about it. It's just, it, it's a different situation than, than with the extract. Yeah. Brewing. So I can tell, I can, I, I, once you make that, jump you can't go back i mean when i still see extract i mean i've had some good stovetop extract beers where it's like fuck this is good right but once you make that jump it's really hard to go back yeah there's no going back no for sure so yeah uh got to enjoy it out there travel around do a lot of different brewing scenes denver fort collins and uh enjoyed home brewing and then got to move out to good old utah for my last duty station Nice. So I moved out here and moved up to all grain, you know, brewed at home probably nowhere near 30 times a year so far, but probably like eight times a year when I was still active duty in the Air Force. And then now that I've retired, kind of stepped it up. I'm up to 12 beers this year. So nothing, nowhere near that 30 like Dwight, but you know, yeah. a decent amount. Yeah. Do you guys have like kegerators? Do you have just all bottles? Do you have kegs? How does your guys' home setup look like so kegs kegs so much easier than trying to bottle it all bottle condition so i have uh 25 kegs at home so i got a nice little rotation cool uh, wait until some get dirty and then clean them all at once yeah makes life easy yeah dwight what's your home situation look like when it comes to i got about 15 kegs and i've got a five tap kegerator that's really cool I want to see the, you guys got, when you guys go home, I want to see this, the photos. I, you got to show it to me because I would really, I've never home brewed at home home. I mean, I've done my small batch stuff at the breweries, but I haven't, you know, I have, it's kind of weird because my story is, you know, I don't, I wasn't a home brewer first and then went up. I just kind of, eh, just figured out commercial first, just I Just jumped into it. Yeah. But like, so when it comes to home brewing, I'm kind of not envious, but I'm like, oh, I, I wish I lived that life in a, in a way, right? So when I see like an Orem, they have a couple clubs over there where I go see them homebrew. And like every Saturday they're brewing every morning. They have a crew there. They're just, and their setup is so cool. And like they, their transfer goes all the way down the stairs and like into it. It's really cool. Anyway, but they have a, like they have a, a, a TV that has a rotating like this is what's on tap right now. And it's like this is so good. Like it's like a community neighborhood, right? Like it should be. So you guys, do you guys have like friends that come over to you guys' house all the time? Are you just drinking it yourself? So I do not drink all of it myself, but uh, I usually keep it around and I'll bring it to work or share with friends here and there. But uh, Dwight, he, he has a good following that comes over to his house and uh, I helps have, drink his. I have what I call cake killing parties. Okay. Just come over and drink as much as you can and take whatever you want home. I fucking love that. So like growlers and oh, bottles yeah. and yeah. all of it. I brew a lot more than I drink. Uh, as you, uh, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I, I give away as much as I can and then I enter a lot of competitions. So a lot that. of beer goes that way too. So let's uh, let's let's hold. I want to go to the competition question, but we're gonna go there in a minute. So you guys have homebrewed and you've been entering into competitions, but what do you guys do on the side or professionally? I drive oh, a truck. Drive truck still, and then I we, currently work at Red Rock Brewing and downtown facility. Or are we looking at the production, the production? facility? How are you liking it? I love it so far. Yeah? It's great. So what's it like from going from homebrewing to that commercial kind of jump? Um, so I'd say it's a completely different risk. If I ruin a batch at home, it's $50 and not, not a big risk. Now at work, if they ruin a you know batch, it's up to 70 barrels of beer and that risk is huge. Yeah. So uh, there, there's just a different level of risk, I would say. Yeah. Interesting. I have never thought of it that way. Cause if you fuck the beer up five gallons, it's like, eh, but yeah, 17 or how many, 70 barrels you said? Yeah. That's kind of a ouchie oopsies. <laughs> yeah, that's a big oopsie. <laughs> yeah, right. But Dwight, have you ever tried dabbling in commercial brewing? I have no intention. No, no intention. You just want to do straight home brew. It's a hobby for me. 
I love that. And yeah, it doesn't become work. It's just a passion. And you do. I love that. Mm-hmm. So what's your homebrew called? Gossarino Brewing. Where's Gossarino come from? So originally when I was in California, my homebrew was called Wild Style Brewing because it's kind of graffiti themed and I used to be in the graffiti. But then my wife and I got back together and I wanted to be more family based. Cool. So I took a family name from my side of the family and a family name from her side of the family and matched it together. My grandmother's grandfather used to uh, make moonshine during Prohibition. Shut the hell up. That's so cool. And his last name is Goss. And my wife's maiden name is Victorino. So I just mashed them together and came up with Gossarino. So you call it Gossarino Brewing? Mm-hmm. That's beautiful, man. I love that because I'm all about, you know, that, that uh, homage to the family kind of like connecting. Like day of the day, we talk about day of the day and something like that, man, it's beautiful. Uh, I have a cool story. Uh, my friend, one of my closest friends, uh, his name is Michael and her name is Sheree. And they named their firstborn Myrie. Nice. And I'm like, that's the most coolest. Hmm. But then I try to take my name and my wife's name, David and Holly. It's like, Dolly, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> or Halvid, can't do that. <laughs> right. But I love that, it's beautiful. Thank so you. how long have you been doing the Gossarino name? Since 2020, it's been 2020. three years now. Beautiful, I love how you can say since uh, or AC after COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so then you started that and uh, you said, so let's get into the competitions. You have labels, you have shirts, you, you have a brand you're building for yourself, Homebrewing. Yeah. And I love that for you. Uh, Competitions, let's go. You guys are both award-winning. You guys have been kicking ass, still kicking ass. So what's it like as a home brewer? I know what a professional looks like. Like I got to enter into these competitions, but as a home brewer, do you have like a different level? Is there like a competition every month? Is it like across the country? Is it across the world? Is it all in state? I enter several months and they're all here in the States. All here in the States? Across the country though. Okay. So how many competitions do you think you enter into uh, year-round uh, one in one calendar year last year was my first time entering competitions i entered eight this year i think i'm at like 20 or 25 competitions sick and i got like another five or six before the end of the year damn damn yeah wow big j what about you so my goal this year was to do one competition a month so nowhere near dwight again but i just want to see you know send my beer out see how they're doing see how they compare get those notes back because i think that's what's key you know getting that feedback from an outside source like hey your beer's good in this way and you can improve in this way and then you know tweaking that recipe from there interesting i like that mindset so what do you guys friends think about your beer they hate it Shut the hell up. <laughs> no, Shut they the all up. love it. Don't let them lie to you. <laughs> I think they're too nice. They don't want to hurt our feelings. So yeah. getting that kind of unbiased feedback is kind of something you guys yeah. need, right? Oh, I for like, sure. So, I like the score sheets. So here's, here's uh, I, I deal with it in the industry. Like, uh, how do you give feedback without offending, and how do you receive without being offended? So, so as a home brewer, how do you do that? So I really think it just takes an open-minded person to be able to take in that feedback. Because if you're already you know, set thinking your beer is the greatest to be from the get-go, and somebody tells you, hey, you could fix this, right off the get-go, you're going to be pissed off. So you just have to be open to taking feedback. I think it's just if you're open to it, then it'll be easy to absorb that information. Yeah. Dwight, how do you take feedback from your, or how would you like feedback? How do you see feedback for you? I just think it's good to know what's wrong with the beer and how you can fix it. Because I'm not really too good at catching off flavors okay so when that score sheets come back oh yeah this had that and this had that it's good for me cool uh not good at catching off flavors uh what are you good at? Uh, and we're looking i keep thinking like we're finding flaws in our beers but do you guys also see good sides of your beer like oh, yeah. you, like i love this part of my beer is that sure. also chasing that because i feel like a lot of competitions and i'm i'm trying to work on this too instead of being like this is what's wrong with this beer like, I loved this part of the beer. Like, last time I was judging, I'm like, hey, this beer had this, and I fucking loved it. I didn't say fuck. I should have. Print. I fucking <laughs> love it. This, you know, this had, I love this. I noticed this. This is probably where I would, here's suggestions. I don't, I'm no, you know, world-renowned judge, but. Yeah, I think that's great feedback, though, because then they also got, you know, that good yeah. part of the feedback, but then they also have a direction of where to go from there. Yeah, one of my hardest things uh, as a brewer in general was, I was so, especially becoming new to the scene a few years ago, like I was so, I wanted to make the best beer. And whenever, every time I would try a beer, I was, the first thing I was doing is trying to find the fault. And Derek's the one, Derek DeBord is the one that it's like, hey, just first thing you should do is find what's good with the beer and then break it down. And when he taught me that lesson, I'm like, oh, 
So now the first thing I try, it's still hard. I still have this battle. But when I see the beer, I'm like, okay, I like this. I want to do like the whole, you know, swirl it, pinkies up. Right? I want to judge it, but I got to make sure like, I'm, I love beer. I love the craft. So what do I like about this? And then, it, but it's, to me, it's still a battle, right? Oh, for sure. Because like this, I, I love your guys' beer, right? I really do. Thank you. Um, I love that funk. When it got warmed up, you get a little more esters coming through. Mm-hmm. It's actually nice. And yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't call it hot. Uh, but yeah, I would. I hopefully enter this into a competition because this is really cool. So we got pretty good feedback on it, but it, no medals, yeah. no awards. It's different. Uh, yeah, Imperial Pilsner is a is a is a. How'd you put that in a category? I put it in experimental just because of the barrel that it was in. All the yeah. other weird flavors going on with it. Yeah, the five turn barrel. <laughs> right. <laughs> Get ten out of that. I'd love to see it. Well, we're gonna do the odd brewing after we do the Flanders Red. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, and Zach. Anyway, I have ideas and your mind is going. <laughs> but uh, so when you get that feedback from competitions, uh, what's the next thing that goes through you guys' mind? How to make it better. Yeah? Definitely. So do you go brew that beer right off the bat again, or do you just sit there and kind of, what, what do you guys do? I started uh, tweaking the recipe in Brewer's Friend, just keeping my recipes in there. Is that what you then, use, Brewer's Friend? Correct. So then I can just go in there and tweak what I think will fix the discrepancies or, you know, make notes to myself like, hey, make sure to oxygenate this a little bit more, had a little bit of this, or try to fix that mistake that they noticed. So, Justin, when, when you see that as a home brewer, and now you're at the commercial level, and you're seeing it on the Red Rock side, how is it comparative? Uh, so, I think there's more, Red Rock has a better resources and equipment than home brewing so it's a little easier for them to maintain their beer where you know we have buckets and if we want to try to do temperature control we put it into a, a fridge or a freezer yeah unless you gotta spend a lot of money to get like a oh yeah a glycol system or whatever oh my gosh i'd love to have a glycol system but that money but out you don't there have is just, fuck you money we yeah about. no fuck you money for <laughs> me i wish that would be amazing but uh, one day, one day, maybe I'll get that fuck you money. Lotto's calling my name. <laughs> but yeah, so they just have, having the resources to make good beer, it, it, I think it makes it easier. Where home brewing, it, there, there's a added difficulty to it for sure. Okay, so Dwight, is that what gets you off? You love that, 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 diff, that, that challenge. Yeah. You have that challenge of like, I'm not a, so what, is, what is it about you want to just be a home brewer and always a home brewer versus going upscaling it? Oh, financial reasons for one okay but i also like driving a truck i've been doing it for 18 years now i don't i'm not planning on quitting until i can't drive anymore nice so until you just go senile yeah <laughs> so i might work in a brewery after retirement i don't know maybe but for now yeah i like what i do great so home brewing for you is like you said a hobby yeah and you're trying to get your name out so here's a question so as you're driving do you take some of your home brews i can't that's illegal okay now well, even I- even like but even if it wasn't illegal it's against company policy so regardless i can't have it in the damn truck. I do have a Gosling Winter Brewing sticker on the back of my truck, though. I love that. See, <laughs> gotta represent. You have to. Yep. Right? Do you, have, you, you guys have? A, I have this idea. You guys have a cooler. Your kegerator, or whatever you guys use for your refrigeration downstairs, has just like a shit ton of stickers. Oh, uh, so the serving kegerator for sure. The yeah. whole front of it's ton of stickers, and I know Dwight's got. So my fermentation chamber is full of them. My kegerator's full of them, and then I have two posters that are full of stickers, and then a third poster that's just all homebrew stickers. Oh, I gotta come over, guys. Let me let me come home brew with you guys one of these yeah, days. I'd love to do that. I fucking love that. Uh, I mean, I'd come I, up. I know you on your recent podcast talking about homebrew fest. <laughs> Let's do this. I, it is. It really is, um, because I want to. I didn't like again. I missed that step of my life in the the scene. I guess because I don't. I. I'm unconventional, I guess. I'm different. I'm, I don't know. I, this sounds so weird, but I don't, I don't believe in that ladder of you have to work your way to be a general in the army. No, <laughs> I can do like whatever the fuck. I, I want to fly, I'm going to fly, you know? Yeah. So watching, but I, I miss that. Like, go get your feet wet, cut your teeth on uh, homebrewing. I never did. And watching the home, like we went to the Latter Day Brewing uh you know, I've seen everyone bring their homebrews and like, it was like a, a, like a club. It was like this whole, like, try this, try this, try this. And I never had that. And I'm like, I wish I had that growing up. It'd be so fucking cool. Like I miss that, you know? And commercial, it's like, yeah, I have like billions of barrels. Let me wait till this is done. Instead of like, <laughs> you know, like again, you have what, 20 or 15 kegs? 15 kegs. It's like, I can, you can show and you can rotate that pretty quick. Yeah. Right. I, I'm married to quite some time. Right. Right. 
I love that about you guys. So let's open this next beer. What's the next one? The Goza, right? Yeah, so it's a margarita Goza. You entered this one, did you not? So mm-hmm. this one is an award-winning beer, yes. I was like, this sounds, sounds familiar. Is this one you won at Lagerpalooza? No, it's not a lager. What was, what was the one you... This one, I recognize this beer. I think maybe I had it one day and you tried it at work. Ah. I think that's maybe where it was. Was this at, anyway, yes. TBD, the other place? This sounds, so this is another collab, right? Yes. Same barrel? Yes. So we put a bottle of Reposado into the barrel before we put I the do beer remember in this beer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I remember this beer. And so you put a bottle of Reposado inside of the barrel? Yes. Can I ask which Reposado? New World. Oh, that's right. You said that. Yeah. So before this one, we had done the Imperial Stout and then a barley wine. And it took out most of the the liquor character, the spirit character. So we put a bottle of Reposado in there to recharge the barrel. I am having the massive deja vu right now. I know exactly where we were. Oh, my God. I remember exactly what I said to you. <laughs> Damn. This is fun. But this is, this, like, you, this is a year old now, yeah? That's uh, pretty old, probably. Yeah. Probably a year and a half? Year uh, old. Yeah, a year old, probably. probably a year it's been old. a while. I mean, look how, look how lagered that is. Nice and clear. Do you guys use clarifying agents in home brain? I use Rolflock and Biofine. Okay. Same. Yeah. See, that nose, man. That's just like, again, that one, I fucking, that nose, I remember. It seems, last time I had more of that agave on the nose. Mm-hmm. It's not as, I mean, again, I like this, don't get me wrong. But that agave was more intense when I had this last year. But that barrel character comes through nice. And it's the same barrel? Same, same barrel. Hmm. Now you guys are fucking that barrel up. I love it. I'm, I, I'm envious of it. I, <laughs> I have Freud and Freud for you guys. <laughs> okay, so almost 30 competitions this year. Dwight. Yeah. How many, how many medals have you won this year? This year, I'm not sure. I know I had four coming in, and I have 20-something right now. So, like, last year, I went, got four medals, and I have 20-something right now. So That's beautiful. Low 20s. I, I don't know how it is in the homebrewing scene, but what's it like to get medals in a homebrewing competition? It's great. Yeah? Yeah. Definitely. It's a good feeling. It makes you know that you're, you're on the right track. Yeah, because I remember announcing you guys. I felt like I was saying your guys' names like at Lagerpalooza over and over and fucking over, and uh, recognizing some of the people. Like, I, I like the scene we have in Utah as homebrewers. Still, I wish it was bigger. I wish it was more uh, collective. I wish right. it was more vast. Uh, but when you guys were sitting there celebrating, yeah, I loved watching you guys. And Dwight, your back was facing the crowd the whole time. Yeah, I remember that. You never look back. No. <laughs> Selfish motherfucker. <laughs> my, wife, my wife told me, though, because she was looking at the crowd. She's like, people kept on saying, who is that? Who is that? Yeah. So, so what was your, what was your uh, goal for doing that? Just to put my name out there. Yeah. I was hoping for two or three. Thought five or six might be cool. Didn't think I'd get as many as I did. Yeah. I, kept, I mean, I kept saying your name over and over, man. <laughs> and who, who accepted your awards? Was it your wife? Uh, I think my nieces went up there a couple times. It's like, it wasn't you. You just sat there and you're like, I, I, walked, just, I walked up there a few times. I, I, saw, I just saw you chuckling and, and Justin was there. Were you, was your wife there? Is that what I remember? She was. Yeah. Anyway, you too. <laughs> so, uh, when it comes to the homebrewing scene in Utah, tell me about it. Like, is it, what's your guys' opinion on it? It's not as big as other states. Yeah. I think we can improve it a little bit more. How get so? Get it to grow. Yeah. Just promote homebrewing. How do we do that? How do we go about home, promoting homebrewing? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Is it like a, dying art is it not an appreciated art how's that so i know it's decreased in the last few years so i don't know what there is to do to make it more you know make people get back into it but it'd be nice to see it grow i know the salt lake city seems like it has a decent homebrew club and a homebrew following but then you start moving out of the city and it seems like it gets smaller and smaller is it because us as a society have become lazier and lazier that we want just a a, I'd rather go to the store and press the buy beer button versus making it. Maybe. And also maybe because Salt Lake's getting better and better beer. That is true. Interesting. I haven't thought of it that way. Hmm. 
I think there's a definite art to making beer. Like it's an art form. So I think to try to get people to gain that passion for making beer of their own and seeing the finished product would be the, the goal. But how to get people into there, I don't know. So why do you make beer, Justin? Because, uh, you know, I like to see the finished product and see, you know, the, hey, what's this taste like? Hey, what, I, what can I make? It's yeah. nice to see that finished product. Especially, you know, and then you do like the collaboration with another great brewer, two other great brewers, and you put it in a barrel and then you come out and you're like, oh, wow, this is amazing. I never thought it would turn out this good. Damn. It's definitely, the, the barrel situation has been something that's been amazing. Fun. It's really fun. Dwight, why do you, why do you make beer? It's fun. I get to brew what I want to brew, how I want to brew it, and whatever ABV I want, what, however hoppy I want it. And I don't have to search for a specific style at a brewery. So if I want to brew a Lichtenheiner, I can brew a Lichtenheiner. You don't have to do it, adhere to certain rules mm-hmm. or obligations to... Mm-hmm. I have never thought of it that way, man. And this is what I missed. This is like... Because <laughs> I've always been... Since I've been in the game, it's like, you have to adhere to this. You have to adhere to this. You have to adhere to this. Oh, oh, okay. Yes, sir. You know? But that way, I'm like, damn, I might pick up homebrewing. Yeah. <laughs> See, before no, I started no entering competitions, I just brewed whatever I want. Now I'm kind of more to style, try to keep it within the style guidelines. But before, it's like, if I wanted a 9% brown, I brewed a 9% brown. Yeah, why not? It's yeah. because it's not to style. I mean, I can't have it that way. Right. right. And sometimes we get up our asses like, it's not, this beer isn't called a, I would never have an Imperial Pilsner. You can't call it, you know, whatever, like Imperial. I know the Kolsch one's a big one. You can't call it an Imperial Kolsch. Who says you can't? Right. I can call whatever the fuck I can call. Whatever right. I can call. I mean, I, when, when I gave Roja, I, I'm mad at them because they called their, uh, their hazy IPA a foggy IPA. And I loved every second of it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, who cares? Like, call whatever you want, whatever you right. want. And, yeah, we got to have more fun in the craft scene, I think. Especially, you know, I think that that part of home brewing, they're like, hey, I'm just brewing. At home, I'm creating again medium, different medium. You said you were in graffiti, right? So, this is a different kind of art form. It is. So why can't we have this art form free flowing? Yeah, give. I'll adhere to whatever legalities, in big scale. But man, I can. I, let me brew whatever brown ale or whatever. Do whatever you want. Damn. A lot of people think that stouts are a winter beer. I drink stouts all year long. If I want to brew a stout in June and drink it in July, I'll do it. So if you want to make a pumpkin beer in the in yeah. summer, you'll make a pumpkin yep. beer? <laughs> I did do a pumpkin stout during the summer. Now, your pumpkin beer you gave me, I liked that one a lot. I told Thank you, you. I, that Thank was a good you. one. I really enjoyed that one. I brewed that for Beehive, so it's going to be drank in the fall, or judged in the fall, but it was brewed in the summer. So you guys did enter some beers into the Beehive broth? Yeah. Yeah. How many, can we say? I'd rather that? not say until That's after. That's fine. I think I only have six in it, so not, nice. not too crazy. Hell yeah. I love it. So here's another thing. Is there someone in the homebrewing scene that, like, I wouldn't say envious, but, like, you guys look up to, or you like, it's a competition? Is it kind of like, this individual kicks ass, and I want to be on that same level, or I want to kick their ass, or how do you guys look at that? So I uh, get all my draw and, you know, ambition from Dwight. This dude's killing it. He's out here 30 beers this year, so it kind of motivates me, like, okay, I can brew a couple more for this competition, or, hey, I got this barrel, do you want to you know, you know, collaborate with me? Of course I do. So Dwight's been a lot of that drive to uh, keep me home brewing and keep me active in it, for sure. As far as locally, I follow a few pages on Instagram, and I like that Brewing with Z guy. Yeah, he's oh, got exact, a good page. Exact, yeah. yeah, Brewing with Z. Yeah. So I like, I like his page and like what he does. Yeah. Is it, uh, Do you guys ever, like, reach out to people like that? Do you guys ever... I think we've sticker traded, but that's about as far as it's gone. Have you guys ever, like, thought about collabing? No, I haven't thought about reached it. Reached out, like, you know, I just that's for me it's like I guess and my mind goes like I wanna go I'm gonna go watch him brew. For sure. You know, and you guys brew together and see like, because I, I love when I was doing it before I was here at Ketos, um I was going around breweries and be like, How do you how do you brew? You know, I was watching systems. I, I I've uh, watched a lot of the beers being made here in Utah and it's like I just wanna see your process. And I've learned so much by watching how do you brew. Because, again, I can make a stew, you can make a stew, you can make a stew, but which one's better? I don't know. Right. Here's the recipe, but I think Jamie Gross taught me a great lesson. He goes, I asked him a question, like, why do you put all your ingredients on your beer? 
He goes, I'll give you the goddamn recipe. He goes, I don't care. You can take it, but how I do it versus how you do it is will be different every time. Like, Guaranteed. But, and you're right. Because like, I'm pretty sure us gentlemen right now know how to make a pale ale. But how many renditions of a pale ale are there? Hundreds. Tons. And you can do it your way. You can do it my way, right? right. So it's like I, I respected that. I'm like, okay. Because, again, we, we can call it a pale ale, but what style? I don't know. It's right. Just, but it's also really cool to see um, you see a certain style or a certain guideline. And if I can make the beer that matches like that, I can look at this and be like, this is an American brown ale. Okay. I know what it is. I made it. That's kind of like I look at that. Like I can, but also I like the that kind of freedom. Right. It's, it's hard to like. Where do I go? You know. So so for co- home brewing competitions, is it more more flex for like um, openness, or you guys have to kind of hone into their styles? It's all based off BJCP styles, so Damn, okay. everything's still according to what they have on BJCP, and then it goes from there. So. Right. Has to be honed into that style for sure. Do you guys like that? Yeah. Yeah? It makes you a better brewer to brew something specific instead of just whatever. Okay. So then how do we judge the whatever beers? Goes in experimental or mixed beer categories. Yeah? Yeah. But how, how, do, you, I don't know, how do you gauge a whatever beer? You know what I mean? You just got to tell them what you're going for, what the flavor profile you want. You got to put that in like their notes. And then they read that and be like, oh, yeah, this is kind of what they're saying. Hmm. You guys are blowing my mind right now. I'm like, yeah. What questions do you have for me? I have like, do you guys have questions for me? Because you guys are homebrewing it. Like, Dwight, you're a home brewer. And there's got to be some like commercial questions for like, I mean, I'm assuming you're asking Justin a bunch of questions. Well, we got a couple of other friends that are commercial brewers and I talk to them a lot. So what do you say? What do you ask them? What do you? If I have a question, I'm like, hey, how do you get this beer so hazy? How do you get this beer so clear? My beer's not clearing. Why isn't it clearing? It's beer questions. Yeah. Because uh, the brewer at Talisman, he's up in Montana right now, but I used to talk to him all the time. Then even Landon, he's sorry going back to homebrew meetings. So I, the whole time we're there, I'm just constantly asking him questions. Yeah, good. I like that. Yeah. Big J, I mean, you kind of spoiled a little bit because you have a, a crew behind your back at Red Rock, but how do you go about that? So there's just... I mean, so much to learn no matter what. It, you can ask questions. I can ask questions at work. I can ask questions to Dwight. I can ask questions to our friends outside in the community. It, it's just, it's nice for me because I have access to so many people to ask questions to. But with the, the brewing industry, it changes so quickly and so rapidly. I mean, we're looking at different yeast strains coming out, I don't know, every couple months. And it's how to incorporate those new styles or those new ingredients into current styles to try to make that beer better. Like we're talking about um, using Lunar Crush yeast and Cosmic Punch and all these stylized yeast to try to develop that beer into a better beer within a category, which is difficult because trying to fit it into something that it's not specifically made for, but if the beer tastes like, you know, this BJCP category then, hey, why not throw it in there? Yeah. Damn. I have something to show you guys, so we're going to do is take a quick break. We're going to come back because we're going to break something down. Yeah? All right. I like this. Shout out to our sponsor, Sugar House Distillery. Handcrafted from grain to glass, Sugar House has been grinding for years to bring us products that are quality over quantity. Just to name a few, their single malt whiskey, rye whiskey, which is our weekday jam, their Boilermaker series, which is a rotating collab within our family, and their canned cocktails, which are so damn good and great for any to-go adventures you have this year. Located in most liquor stores across Utah, or just head over to the distillery located on 22nd 12 South, West Temple, Monday through Friday, tell them we sent you, and they'd love to give you a tour and possible tasting. When you think Sugar House Distillery, think local and made with love. Until the next spirit, my friends. Shout out to our sponsors, Clearwater Distilling. Utah County's only distillery is turning heads and quickly making a name for themselves. From whiskey to vodka, their unique innovation transforms the norm with incredible products like their Rene Ramignac, which is an aged French Armagnac with an American rye whiskey twist. Literally one of our favorite showcasers. 
or they're scandalous, which is not like Fireball. It's an actual whiskey with quality cinnamon without any sugary taste. Also, Clearwater teams up to do a monthly cigar pairing where you come and get educated on how to properly smoke a cigar while pairing with Clearwater's lovely spirits. For more information, head to clearwaterdistilling.com, hit them up on all social media platforms, or just message us and we'll get you started on the right path. Open seven days a week, even on holidays. Clearwater is a must. See you there. Until the next spirits, my friends. That's the uh, barrel aged out. That's right. We got to do this one last. Uh, I want to do that last. So, we tried some of your beer, Dwight. Big J, time to bring some of your homebrew out to the table. Let's do it. I need to, I need to, I'm curious. Talk to, talk to us about this beer. Uh, so, this is going to be the New Zealand Pilsner. So, it was made with the Lunar Crush yeast, so a thialized yeast. Mm-hmm. And then it also has the New Zealand hops in this one. Which New Zealand hops did you put in this one? Uh, so it did have Nectaron, and then it had Motueka as well. Are you liking those hops? Do you like those hops? I do. Dwight, you found a New Zealand hops? Are you on the New Zealand hop game? I wouldn't say I'm on the hop game, but they're pretty tasty. Mm. You made one with uh, Nectaron, correct? I have a single hop Nectaron IPA. Did you use uh, thialized yeast on that one? I did not. I'm curious. Did you dry hop this one? I did. <sighs> Salud. Slancha. Holy shit, that's a beautiful nose. That's lovely. That's a bouquet of like tropical fruit, like bright fruit. Is that guava? I would smell this all fucking day. And that head's great, Justin. Thank you. Well done, brother. New Zealand pills, right? Correct. Lunar Crush. Is this the same recipe that got gold at Lagerpalooza? No, new no. recipe. So that recipe didn't have New Zealand hops. So I figured since I'm calling a New Zealand pills, I should put New Zealand hops in right. it. So you lied on a I competition? I did not lie. It met the category <laughs> and it won the category. So what can I say? You lied. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting something. Hold on. It's like candied papaya. Mm-hmm. On the nose. I get that. Yeah. My God. Have you entered this one yet? No. No. So this one will actually hit uh, Liquid Poets in Fort Collins for the first competition. Liquid nice. what? What was that called? Liquid Poets. Liquid Poets. I love that, actually. That's really cool. I've been calling everyone artists, but poet, they're the same thing. But yeah, like, I like this a lot. Thank you. And that mouth feels lovely. You guys make good beer. Thank you. Damn, both of you. Appreciate it. I'm, I don't know what, I have no questions. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> so you, it's a new recipe. You won one for the same beer, but an al- this is an altered version of that beer, correct? Correct. So the first version didn't have any New Zealand hops in it. So this okay. one, I added the New Zealand hops so it fit the category a little better in my view. And, uh, yeah, it definitely tastes a little bit different from those different hops, but it still has that, that Lunar Crush, like, thialized um, aroma to it. Do you like this beer? What do you like about this beer? Excuse me. Um, I like the aroma a lot. It actually has, you know, good aroma. It actually seems like that aroma stays around. It's not um, going away, which is exciting. And then um, mouthfeel and the head retention seems to be good as well. Yeah, I'm curious to see how this one would age. Correct. And you did say you did dry hop this one? It did. Dwight, what do you think? This is one of your homies. You got to break it down. It's a damn good ass beer. I would come kill this keg. Right. Let's do it. It's got a, with that candy mango, it's got like a, like a Laffy Taffy banana. Like a, but I wouldn't say it was, it's not like estery or it's not, wow, that was the word I'm going for. It's got, it's got like this weird, not weird, but like, I don't know, this is fun. I'm just breaking, like th- that yeast strain is so cool because I've seen different 
beers with that yeast strain, and there's like so much. You said Lunar Crush, right? Yeah, Lunar Crush. This is totally different than my Lunar Crush beers. Right, and the this one's definitely different than the first Lunar Crush beer that I did. So I don't know if it's just the different hops pulling out different characteristics from that yeast strain, or hmm. same malt build too. Same malt, just different hops. Just different hops, correct? And you're unlocking different hop characteristics, correct? My friends, my friends, telling you, I like the light. I mean. I think once we can hone in the thialized yeast strains, which we're getting really close, I think that's going to continue to change the game here in the market. For sure. For beer. I mean, as a home brewer, you guys can see it as a beer, beer makers that we are. I mean, we were talking about saving money by not putting a shit ton of fruit and just unlocking characters. That just is a no-brainer. Right. Oh, for sure. Or is it a brainer? I don't know. <laughs> Damn. Oh, we got to try another one. I have to. What's the next one, Big J? All right, so uh, raspberry sour. So this was used with the Philly sour yeast. So we just talked about uh, not adding fruit, and <laughs> yeah, going straight to the fruit now. Is this puree, concentrate, extract? Uh, concentrate. Let me grab some water real quick. So talk to us about this one, raspberry sour, Philly sour yeast. Is this your first time using the Philly sour yeast? Uh, so yes, first time using it. Uh, the first couple sours I did were kettle sours. This one I figured I'd see what the actual Philly sour yeast would do on its own, which uh, it definitely made it tart, not like super sour. I'd say this one's got a hint of that raspberry and then still nice and crisp. You throw any dextrose in there? No, no, dextro no dextrose. So this is all sour just from the yeast. So, Dwight, why would you ask that question? Because dextrose were, will make the beer sour. The uh, Philly Sour likes eating simple sugars, and it does the acidity part before fermentation. So the more simple sugars there are, the more sour the beer would be. Done your homework. A little bit. Mm -hmm. Fuck yeah. It. It's like you brew beer. <laughs> I love it. And you got a great head on this one, too. How are you carving your beers at home brewing level? Just uh, force carbonate right in the keg. Cool. So letting it sit at a high pressure overnight and then checking it and seeing how it's pouring. And this is your first time using Philly sour yeast? Correct. So I have another Philly sour yeast that's in a keg now that was with peach puree and peach concentrate. So the peach definitely has more of the peach flavor to it than this raspberry one, but yeah, both of them turned out well. Yeah, you got that tartness on there. I love your head on it. The aroma. I think, based off the coffee we had and the other beers prior to, this is, this is a puckery one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, hitting that other spectrum for sure. Yeah, we, we I feel like we've kind of gone almost all over the board today. I mean, I, I guess you guys, yeah, we have, huh? Yeah. How about, anyway, I'll talk about this later. Like, I have a, I got a good question for you guys. <laughs> but, um, so, do, are you a fan of the Philly Sour Yeast then? Um, I am. I don't think it's as complex as doing the kettle sour, but it's definitely easier and it does provide that sour characteristic to it. Dwight, have you fucked with the uh, Philly sour yeast before? Once, yes. And your thoughts on it? I like it. It's a good way to mess with souring beers without contamination and or doing kettle sours. Yeah. So does it take away from the beauty of kettle souring? Because I, I hear sometimes you, you know, when you make beer, people are like, but it's not kettle soured. It's just not the same... It's almost, I wouldn't say fake, but it's like the same, uh, just not the same. Well, it's better than just throwing lactic acid in it. That's true. So, with, for me, uh, the byproduct of Philly sour yeast is at the very end, there's always this waxy, um, like crayon wax, you know, like this wax mm -hmm. at the very end of the mouthfeel, like the flavor mouthfeel. And I've always, in every single Philly sour beer ever, it's not off-putting, but I've noticed it. And it's a, and some people tell me, that it's it's part of that like that's the yeast right it's a, a um, coming from the yeast but it's wanted it's not an off flavor so interesting because you won't if I did this uh, kettle soured you wouldn't get that waxiness at the end no definitely not you're gonna use that Philly sour again um I don't know probably 
it's nice to have a different uh, yeast strain to use and definitely a lot quicker than actually kettle souring. Yeah, and you're not, like Dwight was saying, you're not infecting or dirtying other hoses and, you know, only we're only going to use, this is a dedicated sour line right. now, right? Well done. Well done, boys. Thank you. I'm, I'm very impressed. You, again, you guys make really good beer, and thank you for making really good beer. I, I think we were talking about this earlier, but I think the reason why people aren't homebrewing as much is because it takes work, it takes effort, and I do believe that we've become way lazy, and we're a culture that are stuck in our phones, looking down, and we don't ever look up. And right. this is you guys looking up and giving a fuck. And so thanks. Thanks for doing the Lord's work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> making, making sugar water. I have to try one of these award-winning beers. Dwight, you have to pour one of these. You have uh, Talk to me about the two you have. So one is a Swartz beer. This is batch number three. Batch number two I entered in the Lagerpalooza, and it won an award. I think maybe Burhan's. I'm not exactly sure. But it's pretty good. I brew it with two friends. This batch was not brewed with those friends because I needed to get it brewed. And along your friends? No, they're still my friends. <laughs> so I call it the Wayne Brady Show because one of them's named Wayne and one of them's called Brady. Just thought it was a fun play on words. But see, you did the same thing where you're honoring your family or your friends and you named it after them. You you like that. You are that that like honoring family, you know, loved ones, and I respect that and mm. I appreciate that. I try. You do. You're doing it. You're doing it, Peter. <laughs> I'm actually not gonna put the sour. I'm that one right there. Justin dirty my glass with the sour. <laughs> Just ruined it. Schwarz beer. Schwarz beer. I'm nice, excited for this one. Nice dark German lager beer. I hate dark lagers. <laughs> Look at that color. That's so beautiful. And are you kegging, or uh, excuse me, um, carving in the kegs as well? Yes, I force carbonate as well. I want an open fire right now. Light a fire. That's what I want right now. Oh, yeah. Light a fire. Sit around the fire. I drink this beer on that. Nice cold day. It's got a good uh, cereal flavor to it. Yeah. I like that. Not overly roasty. No. Big J, what do you think about this beer? It's good. Crisp, clean. Nice roastiness. When I first bottled it, it was tasting more chocolatey. But the chocolate notes have mellowed out. Oh, maybe let it sit out, warm up for a little bit. Ooh. Maybe. Yeah, don't touch it. All right, touch it, but don't drink it. <laughs> Dwight, are you happy with this beer? I'm all right. Pretty happy with it, yeah. What would you do differently? If you could or if you would? I don't know. I mean, I think I can change the, the, the hop profile a little bit. Bring up those BUs? Mm-hmm. What hops did you put in this one? I'm just curious. Uh, probably middle fruit and maybe tetaning. Cool. If I had a guess, I can look at the recipe if you yeah. want. I love it. Do you, what do you use for recipe development? Um, Brewer's Friend as well. Brewer's Friend. Is that like, kind of like a typical home brewing kind of? There's a couple of them that home brewers use. I see a lot. I mean, even professional brewers like go back and use that. Or uh, what's the other one? Brewer's Friend. Beersmith? Beersmith. Yeah. Beersmith. yeah. Those are the two. I, it's, just, it's fun to, I like how technology even though we've become lazier, I think it's also helped us uh, hone in our skills. You know, I, I think we're talking to, talking to one, of a, one of our friends saying, oh, if I can go back in the day and have beer in that certain location, I would love to have a typical, traditional, this, that, and the other. And one of my friends was like, nah, they're not clean. <laughs> it probably sour and tart and gross right. and, and boo. Right. Not consistent, <laughs> yeah. But again, it's like back in the day, Everyone's just beer, brewing beer to, to brew. Not, you know, now we're here to brew it to make money. Huh. Just different. But I'm you're not, brewing You're brewing for the community. You're brewing for yeah. your friends. I'm not, trying to make, I'm not trying to make money off of you. Yeah, I mean, you, if you're having to kill a keg and like, hey, come drink all the beer and then take, take whatever you want home. Like, you brought me a whole cooler, I feel like, today. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but 
When it comes to, Dwight, I want to ask you this question. I've been wanting to ask this question for a minute. When you see commercial brewers and other brewers, what's your point of, because you're not anytime soon going, looking to upgrade. Like, no. that's, that's a, like, I don't like that term, upgrade, but you, to a different, a different location, different level, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, when you see commercial brewers, what are some pros and cons in that? I really couldn't tell you. Hmm. Cause I know, like I, like I said earlier, I like the, I brew what I want to brew, and mm-hmm. I brew it the way I want to brew it, how I want to brew it. Commercial, you kind of have to brew what will sell, in a way. Yeah. You're more, less experimental and more focused on revenue. Yeah. And I'm not. I just brew what I want to drink. Yeah, because your heart's still in it, your passion's still in it, yeah. your soul's still in it. Yeah. And if we have to sell our soul for to make a dime... It's kind of takes away from because so Justin, you're kind of in the same same vein where you still brew, you're still home brewing, but you're still doing commercial, which is, I think, a rarity because I remember asking. We all know Jackie King. I remember asking him like, "Hey, so you still home brew?" She goes, "Why? I make it in a big no. I don't home brew. Like you know, dumb question." <laughs> and you're still home brew. And what's it like to home brew and have that passion, but then go to work and collect a paycheck doing the same kind of thing? It's just a whole learning experience. So I get to actually brew exactly what I want at home and with no risk. And then I can go to work and brew what the consumers want and, you know, package what the consumers want and do everything there all while learning on a different scale and then coming home and bringing that information and, you know, putting it to use. I like how you're doing that. That's beautiful. Because I think one of my fears would be uh, going to homebrewing and then going and seeing how it would take away from the homebrew. Because, like, again... The man says we have to make ABC, and the consumer says we have to make. It's sex sells. This one's sexy. This one's, you know, this fruited ABC is yeah. selling, and I don't want to make that right. And so I, I, I see where I don't know. I respect that homebrewing passion you guys have because it's that passion. It's that it's that love for it. You guys haven't given up. Um, Dwight, you mentioned you're going to keep driving until you can't drive anymore. Yeah. Are you going to keep brewing until you can't brew anymore? Oh yeah. Unless there's medical reasons that get in the way, yeah. I love that. Uh, what are you doing, except for brewing, what are you doing to take care of yourself uh, long-term so you can keep brewing? I don't. I just drive a truck and then go home and brew beer and then drive a truck <laughs> and go home and brew beer. And you know where the good local uh, breakfast burritos are? We talked oh, about yeah. that. <laughs> I love that. So how far how far do you drive trucks? Like I'm local. I'm typically just between Ogden and Salt Lake every day. Every once in a while, I'll go down to... Payson or up to Logan, out to Grantsville. Last week I went to Nampa and back every day, but it's mostly Nampa? all local. Yeah, local. Idaho? Idaho. Yeah, that's north. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where our company's based out of. Are you moving potatoes or what? Nah, a lot of applesauce, a lot of dog food. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That's why you want to go to Springville or a Spanish Fork area. Mm-hmm. Cool. How Do you ever done like a long haul? Cross I, I love long haul. I've hit 260 plus breweries across the country doing long haul driving. That's so cool. Yeah. Damn. Big J, what, so you were in the Air Force, correct? Correct. Uh, what, do you, what did you do after you got out? So I did 21 years in the Air Force, and then uh, the Air Force gave me the opportunity to actually do an internship, and I paid by the Air Force. So I did an internship at Talisman for about four months. So that was my entry into the brewing world. Yeah. So I did, or I was able to work there and learn a lot, work underneath one of our buddies, and then um, from there I came home and hung out with the family for about two months, decided that I can't sit still. Um, sitting still for those couple months was like, oh man, I got to do something with my Is that time. during COVID? No, it was after COVID. COVID, I was uh, actually deployed to Saudi Arabia. So I had no idea what was going on here. My wife's like, hey, they're raiding the you know, Walmart, taking all the toilet paper. And I'm sitting in Saudi Arabia like, for what? So I had no idea what was Shut going up, on really? here. Shut up, really? Yeah. Bonkers. Yeah, it was crazy to me hearing it over the phone. I'm like, why are people buying all the toilet paper? But why is toilet paper yeah, a scarcity I, now? <laughs> I had no idea. So then um worked there for a while, came home, hung out for a little couple months, got bored, and I was like, okay, I got to go work somewhere. So then um, Grid City had an opening, so I got to work underneath Jeremy for um, a little over a year. And what a legend that guy is. Oh, legend. Killing those seltzers. Love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Zinga. Uh, got him. But uh, yeah, learned a lot underneath him. He's great brewer. Yeah, he's willing to experiment with anything from seltzers to um, his award-winning brown ale. Like the dude's killing it. Love it. And he knows, like him. He's got the same mind that 
Patrick Bjork has that were like they are underrated master minds in beer. Oh yeah. And they, watching those two make beer, it's it just like uh, I want like a sliver of that brain of yours because oh, like sure. those guys know how to fucking brew. Yeah, they can just build that recipe and I'm like, oh, what, what are you making here? And bam, that recipe and turns out great. They're fine tuning it. Like they're scientists. Like they like they go to the chemistry level. They understand. I don't know. I, that's where. I, yeah, that's my goals, right? Those two. Oh, goals. for sure. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Grid City, and then you uh, made the leap to Red Rock. Yep, went over to Red Rock. A um, little better hours, work from you know seven to three o'clock. So I was able to skip that traffic rush hour going back or to and from uh, Syracuse down to here. So that that helped out a lot. And then uh, get home at you know three thirty and still hang out with the family and all that good stuff. So I love that. Worked out good. Good. And yeah. you're happy over there? Oh, definitely. Great family. We uh, all get along. Everyone gets to learn. Or I get to learn a lot, package a lot, brew a lot up on there. And, um, they're, they're doing a lot of good things. Good. Hell yeah. What's, uh, what's some goals you guys have in, in home brewing that you haven't, met, you haven't hit yet? I think uh, Pro-Am, doing well in Pro-Am would be cool. And then I know this year there were a couple in the Collab Fest that were not breweries. So I think doing that would be pretty cool, cooking up at the brewery, doing a Collab Fest. Hell yeah. Big J. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd like to, you know, eventually one of my beers get best of show. That'd be amazing. Like, hey, this was top beer. So one day, we'll see. Best of show. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, I like how uh, Lagerpalooza, I believe it's Lagerpalooza, if you get best of show, that Bewilder will, or Bohemian, they'll... Bohemian, yeah. They will, uh, one of the two, what's... Bohemian will brew your recipe. Brew your recipe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bewilder did that as well, right? I think so. I, I think it was for, was it Home Brew Talk? Is that one? But like, it's really cool. Like, hey, this is the best beer. Let's just upscale it for everyone to have it instead of like a five gallon, right? And right. I respect that because that's that's. Hey, we have the resources. Like we're talking about a, a commercial brewer, a bigger brewer. Like, hey, we have the resources. Let's make your fucking recipe. It's so good, and let's do it and give it to the masses. Yeah, it's I amazing. Think, I I want that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to brew the the, right. the pro am. <laughs> that's awesome. Let's break. Okay, so this is the last one we're gonna try. This one's special because this one is the barrel-aged stout. So it's our first barrel-aged project at all, both of us, and it's also our first award-winning beer. Wow, this is a, what's it called? You named I, it. It's the homebrew version of Black is Beautiful. When I enter into competitions, I just call it Black Beauty. Black Beauty, I love that. Is that that recipe that uh, Marcus from Weather Souls? Sent everyone. Yeah. So cool. it's the online version, the homebrew version, but we also added three pounds of DME just to bump up the ABV. Awesome. I didn't want to barrel age an 8% beer. Is this the same barrel you guys? Yeah. That's the first turn of that the barrel? First, first turn. Damn. By the way, when the Schwarz warms up, I like that a lot. Thank you. Yeah. So we, this the Imperial Stout, we entered into five competitions and it got four awards out of those five competitions. I love that. I'm very pumped for this, actually. Yeah, there's a behind you, Dwight, over your right shoulder above the door. There's a Black is Beautiful label right there that Kitos oh, did. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a few breweries here in Utah did that. Kitos is one of them. I think I tried four or five from here out of Utah. On this note, my friends, salud. Slancha. Prost. Oh, I want to stab this so bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just want to stab this. Great nose. Yeah. How do you sell your beers? Do you keep you downstairs? Do you have this? That you just, is your downstairs in your house like dedicated to beer? Pretty, half of the basement's all beer. Yeah. So I brew What's outside that? on the porch, and everything all cold side is in the basement. By the way, your porch has the hops, hops all yeah. over it. Did you harvest? Have you harvested? It's around that time. Grasshoppers really killed them this year. Oh shit! Yeah. So they destroyed them. Yeah. Because you had three strains going, correct? Three strains, four plants. Fuck. No. Grasshoppers got them. Yeah. Damn. So you didn't do like a. You couldn't do a wet hop beer with mm-hmm. it? Fuck, I'm sorry, man. I did harvest some of the Magnum because there was good Magnum on there, but the Comet was gone and the Chinook is gone. I'm sorry, man. How do you how do you fight the grasshopper? Um, Got to kill it when you're, when you're young, I guess. I don't know. Damn. Or Just out there killing grasshoppers. Right. <laughs> I know a lot of people, because I'm also on uh, the Utah Gardeners Facebook page, and a lot of them use vacuums, and they go out there vacuums and just suck them up. Damn, but that takes a lot of time. Yeah. Damn, I'm sorry, Max. That was a beautiful... I like that side. Your whole front of your house yeah. is dedicated to hops. It's really cool, actually. Yeah. That's a gardening goals for me. Oh, yeah. 
Yep. Sorry. I've said this multiple times today, and I'm going to say it again. You boys make great beer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks. This is something where um, we have an opportunity to sit here and enjoy the fruits of our labor and pay homage to that. So thank you guys for doing this. Like, this is so cool. This is the fact. You guys give a fuck about. This is an art medium you guys are doing, and you guys are really good at it. So thank you for keeping up with it because it pushes me to be like, I got to also make good beer. Because the last thing that any of us at this table want to do is make shitty beer. Right. I'm assuming. I don't know. <laughs> but if you guys do make shitty beer, I'll let you know. And if, you, if I make shitty beer, please let me know. Just tell me how to fix it. Don't tell me it's right. shitty. I like that. I'll go with that. God damn. But this this one's definitely the favorite. My favorite out of all the beers I brew. This is my yeah. favorite. It's amazing. I can't wait to brew it again. Right. Shout out the Outlaw Distillery. Outlaw the Distillery. Mm. Connor and Tyler, shout out. The whole family over there. Love it. Yeah. I'm excited to see what you guys do. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for ta- taking your time to hang out with me um, in this brewery, uh, driving down, meeting me here halfway, I guess. Um, if there's anything I can do for you, homebrew level, professional level, as a friend, my door, I, I've been la- saying this lately, my garage door is always open. <laughs> <laughs> and wherever my Prius is, I'm there. And wherever I'm at, you're always welcome. Um, Thank you so much for giving me some of your time and sharing something that I'm is very near and dear to me as well. So, Thanks thank you. Me. Yeah, guys. This is amazing. Last one, yeah. Cheers. Lunch. <laughs>